Hi, welcome to my leadership podcast at wilsonlightling.com. I know that so many of you as leaders, you are facing many challenges at this time in your ministry, your churches, perhaps your personal life. I know that with the amount of uh, turbulence, the turmoil in our societies, in our political system, religiously, and maybe even globally, a lot of these things are causing all kinds of challenges to us. And perhaps we're trying to uh, encourage and strengthen and build up our churches and ministries. And yet, in the midst of trying to do that, there are many challenges that you could face in rising up to the challenges. So today, I want to share with you a very powerful message that I shared to the Hope International Ministries pastors. And here's an extract which I believe will really speak to your hearts from Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 12 to 20, where I talk about the challenges of rising up. Enjoy. I want to share with us from the book of Nehemiah chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles or Bible app, turn with me, Nehemiah chapter 2. When we look at the story of Nehemiah, we find that Nehemiah, he rose up to the call of God and he was able to lead the Israelites that returned to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. But in seeking to do so, he, he faced so many challenges. And, but nevertheless, he overcame those challenges. He was able to inspire the people and lead them forward to accomplish what God has laid upon his heart. So there are some key lessons that we can learn from Nehemiah. Firstly, we can look at some of the types of challenges he faced because it's relevant to us today. The first one is this, it's facing uncertainty. When you look into verse uh, 12 to 15, I'll just read verse 12 to 13 for us. It said that, but I set out during the night with a few men. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. Uh, in verse 13, it says, By night I went through the valley gate towards the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down and its gates which had been destroyed by fire. So right here, Nehemiah, he was confronted. He was confronted with uncertainty. You know, even though he had permission from the Persian king, Artaxerxes, he had never actually yet seen the broken down walls. He, he hasn't seen the ruins. He, he has not yet surveyed and, and understood what was going on. And he had made plans despite this level of uncertainty that he had. And that is why when he arrived, Nehemiah, he wanted to better understand what the challenges were to rebuild the wall. And that's why he took the time. He went to check it out for himself. Nehemiah had unexpected things occur to him. There were some additional unexpected challenges that cropped up. Like for example, discovering that the nobles were, were extracting from the poor even more than they had and, and getting some, some of them into slavery and so forth. And, and we read about that in Nehemiah chapter 5. And the thing is this, even today, we live in times of greater uncertainty now. Because of all the turbulent times, I mean, now we face external uncertainties like the COVID pandemic, there's war, there's economic crisis and climate change and all those kind of things are just happening at the same time. And there are also internal uncertainties within our churches, 
what is the condition of our people's faith, their resilience, their health, and so on. But the thing is this, we should never let uncertainty stop us. You see, when you think about it, faith is really spelled R-I-S-K. You see, risk is about taking steps forward even in the midst of all this uncertainty. And we're not talking about rash risk-taking, but we're talking about a God-led risk-taking. Can we say amen to that? So that's the first key, that we have to face uncertainties. But the second one is we have to face inertia. In other words, the resistance to change, the, the difficulty to move. In verse 16, it says, The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because I had yet said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Why did he do it this way? Well, we need to understand that Nehemiah, he returned to Jerusalem in around about 444 BC. And that is about more than 90 years after the first group of exiles returned to Jerusalem from Babylon. So for 90 plus years, they live, all these returnees, there are several groups of them that happened over the 90 years. They live for these 90 years with the broken down walls uh, because they just didn't have enough strength and willpower to rebuild those walls in the midst of many other challenges that they were faced with. And so it had become an accepted part of their lives. And there were many amongst them, they were resigned to the fact, oh, we will never rebuild the wall. It's not going to be possible to rebuild the wall. And sometimes our people, our church, maybe even ourselves, we may be caught in this kind of a rut where maybe we begin to accept that our church, our people are just not good enough at winning souls. Or maybe disciple making is it's just too hard. And church planting is simply what we cannot do. Or maybe, you know, our people are just not that spiritual. And we just accept those things. Do you know what compromise is? Compromise is when we accept an unacceptable situation. Instead, I pray that God will stir us into a holy discontent where we say, God, we need to rise up against this unacceptable situation before you. Where we begin to say, this is not good enough. It cannot be. God, help us. Because, Lord, this situation needs to change. That was exactly how Nehemiah felt. Whenever we seek to do this, Whenever we seek to make change, whenever we want to change the gear, perhaps we need to change course, perhaps we need to transition to something different, there will always be inertia, there will always be some resistance that's happening because there is no momentum in those areas. And so it can always be challenging. Nehemiah knew that. Nehemiah faced that. Yet Nehemiah was used by God to begin to stir up the faith of the people. So that it came to a point, they, they too will not accept that the walls were broken down, that they could rebuild the walls. And I believe we can be the same. We too can stir our people up in God. Can we say amen to that? 
Hallelujah. Now the third key I want to share with us, the third thing that we're going to face is also facing opposition. In verse 19, it says, But when Sanballat, the Hororite, Tobiah, the Ammonite, and Gershom, the Arab, heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? Whoa. And so here we have Nehemiah came back to do a great thing, just to help the people rebuild the wall. But suddenly he discovered there's all these people, Sambala, Tobiah, Gershom, and they were strongly opposed to what he wanted to do. And not only that, later on, he realized that he had a fifth column. In other words, there were people inside the, amongst the, the Jews and they were secretly opposed to him as well because of their connections with Sanballat. And you can read this in Nehemiah chapter 6. You see, when we seek to do more of God's work, more opposition will arise. And we will definitely face opposition from our satanic enemy. He will oppose us directly. He will also inspire some internally to oppose us. And this is going to happen. You see, the more we rise up in God's purposes, the more the enemy will oppose us. The bigger the purpose, the bigger the opposition, the bigger the demons. But do not be afraid because God is bigger than all of this. And so the more we, we just resonate with God's heart, the enemy is going to seek to dampen our heart. He's going to seek to dampen our enthusiasm, our faith. The more we seek to run with God, the more the enemy is going to try to pull that rock from our feet, from under our feet. So we either retreat or we fight back. It's time to rise up in Jesus' name. And so from Nehemiah, what are some of the things we can learn to face these different things? Well, I'd like to share with us a few key points. The first one is that we need wisdom. We need wisdom to apply the most appropriate approach towards the problems that, and challenges that we're faced with. Nehemiah, for example, he was wise. He inspected the ruins so that he could understand uh, the scope of the project that's needed. What, what are all the different things he has to deal with in order to rebuild the walls? So we need to understand the real causes. Why are there all these uncertainties around us? Why is there inertia amongst our people or what we're trying to deal with? Why is there opposition? And this is important because we can only properly address the issues when we understand the root issues. We need to understand the real cause of these issues. You see, if you take the wrong medicine, you will not cure the health issue. So we want to make sure that we diagnose it correctly and prescribe the right medicine. Okay, some quick tips I want to suggest on dealing with some of these uncertainties. The first thing is this, we must increase the resilience and the flexibility of uh, that's in our people and in the church so that we can handle the greater uncertainties, we can in, uh, have an increased amount of changes occurring without our people collapsing. And this way, we can handle perhaps more lockdowns, uh, economic shocks and different things that we may suddenly be confronted with. So we need to have more resilience and flexibility. The second thing is, it helps when we begin to anticipate some of these 
uncertainties. If we can anticipate ahead what might be coming, then we can plan. We can plan better for some of these contingencies to deal with some of these issues. Thirdly, we need to trust God for good outcomes. Even as we do all that we can and should, we need to have faith to trust God for the outcome, for the good outcomes. A couple of quick tips as well. Uh, how do we deal with inertia when there's all this resistance to change? Well, firstly, one of the things we need to do is to understand that not everybody can change gears and or want to. Some people uh, are just finding it hard to change the gears because of the situation. And we need to understand the difference between the two. Some people, as I mentioned, they, they can't change the gears because of the situation they're in. Maybe they have health issues. Maybe they have family issues. So they cannot yet at that point make the necessary changes. That is different from those who refuse to change the gear or those they are afraid to change the gear. So secondly, we need to approach this differently and appropriately. So for those who cannot change the gear because of their situation, they need our support. For those that are afraid, they need our encouragement. For those that don't want to, we need God to touch their hearts. You know, uh, some time ago, one, one of my guys who I mentored over many years, he was going through a really difficult situation in his home where his wife was suffering from some uh, mental issues that really made life really, really difficult at home with him and the children and everything. And it was so bad for years because she didn't want to, to go for any help. And it got so bad that he got depressed. Uh, and, and, and he was really struggling in his own heart. But in the midst of that, we stood by him. We, we, we were with him, we encouraged him, we spent time with him and spoke life into him and, and prayed with him. And we did a lot of those things to support him. We did not challenge him to change gears because he was not at the place where he could change gears. But as, as we stuck with him, God began to work upon his situation and God began to get him out of this. God began to make some change in his wife. And finally, she agreed to get uh, some medical help in her situation. And that improved the whole family situation. And, and during that time, he really came back with God. And, and today, he's in Bible college and uh, he's serving God and he's looking forward to continue to serve God in greater ways. And so we need to understand where people are at so that we help get involved in the right way at the right time. The second thing is this, we need to have faith to trust God for greater things. When you look at verse 17 to 18, it says here, Then I say to them, you see the trouble that we are in. Jerusalem is in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me, and what the king had said to me. So Nehemiah began to express what he has experienced of God, how God opened the doors for him. His faith shone through. His faith was the thing that made all the difference. You see, faith is always critical because it turns our focus to God and away from the difficult situation. And you see, the reason why it's so important to look at God is because God is the master of turning around the impossible situations. Faith is crucial 
to respond to God's leading, to God's solution. And you know, sometimes God's solution is not always convenient. Sometimes God's situation or God's solution may seem even more impossible than the impossible situation you are confronted with. Let me tell you the story of Reinhard Bonnke. Reinhard Bonnke, uh, back in the 1980s, he was really ramping up his evangelistic crusades. He was beginning to get thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people to come to his crusades. And he had, he had raised a lot of money and he, he built this wonderful tent that could seat 34,000 people. And he had this tent, it, it took a long time to build it and everything, and finally he got it ready. He was in a place called Cape Peninsula in South uh, Africa. And this, this tent was as big as three American football fields. I will show you a picture of this thing. And it's just simply amazing. And so he was all ready. But suddenly a freak storm came, a freak wind that was so intense, it blew this tent apart, tore it to shreds. And, and not only that, I mean, it ruined some of his, uh, his lights and, and other things, but he still had other equipment. But it was a shock to them. And he was crying out to God, God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? How am I going to get all these people in? But the, the wonderful thing is, God told him that he, God's presence will become the canopy over this whole place. And so by faith, he went forward to do it that day. And they prayed intensely because normally in that time, it gets very cold. But on that day, it was warm enough. Thousands of people came. In fact, more than 50,000 people came on some of the nights. It was just incredible. If they had a tent, they would have had to turn people away. But because they had no tents, everybody could come. And on that day, it was a, amazing miracles happened. So many people were healed miraculously, touched, delivered, and so forth. And that raised what he was doing to a whole new level. Faith, it's so important in the midst of great challenges. Even when we first started our church in the beginning in Brisbane, when we, when we launched off, I was on a, a working visa that only had 12 more months. And by faith, because we felt in God, God says, do this, start it off. We started off, even though we didn't know in a year's time whether we could even remain in Australia. But by faith, we just believe God. By faith, we face the situation and God brought us through all of this. Another thing which we did was uh, when our church started getting involved in reaching out into Africa. In around 2012, Pastor Lance and Bell really felt from God that God told them to invest into Africa, to get involved in missions there. And our leadership, we prayed about it and we really sensed the assurance from God to go ahead. And really, we didn't have much that happening there. All we had was one pastor of a tiny little church that says he wants to work with us. And, and we did that. We started with him. But eventually, it didn't work out. <laughs> but nevertheless, it got us there. It got us meeting people. It got us involved in the uh, area in Africa. And that eventually opened more and more doors until today. And so today, we have more than 100 over churches that Pastor Lance and Bell have oversight over in that part of Africa. So faith is critical. Trust God that we can do greater things. Now, the third key is this. We need unity. Unity to move the church forward together. When we look at verse 18, after Nehemiah shared with them the dream, they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they 
began this good work. Wow! Something happened when Nehemiah managed to rally all these people together and united them behind the call of God to rebuild the walls. And we all know the story. In simply 52 days, they achieved what all the exiles could not in 90 over years. Incredible. Unity is crucial. It's crucial for your leadership. It's crucial for the membership so that you can move the whole church forward strongly. Let me give you a few quick tips now about building unity. Firstly, you and your team, you need to have credibility because people need to trust you in what you're going to share, what you're going to try to bring them along in. Secondly, you need to put forward a compelling and an inspirational case for what needs to be done. I, I have shared much about this whole area of being an inspirational leader in my leadership podcast. If you go over to wilsonlighting.com, you can find some of those uh, podcasts over there. The third thing which we need to do is to address the concerns, address the doubts properly. We need to talk about some of them so that they can be more assured. And fourth and lastly, we should invite all to partner in the dream. We should not force people, we should not push them, because if you push, your, the tendency is you end up pushing them away. Don't make that mistake. Let me share with you uh, how we built our church facility, Unitas Community Center. It was a huge financial undertaking for us. As a, a smaller church in the, when we first started, it was incredible in terms of the cost. But it was possible that we were able to to raise the funds and pay off this whole building. It took us 14 years, but we did it. We were raised enough, and the reason is because we united together, the leadership, the members, we united behind the vision, and we were willing to invest and make the sacrifice into this thing. It's the biggest financial undertaking we've ever taken in the life of our church, but we were able to do it because of unity. Now, let me go on the fourth and last key is that we need courage. We need courage to face the challenges. When you look at verse 20, Nehemiah said, I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. See, at that point, Nehemiah was being confronted by his enemies that were mocking him. But he had the courage to stare them down. He refused to budge because he trusted in God. And he did not allow fear to overtake his heart. And because of that, he was able to walk with God all the way and achieve what God called him to do. That is to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and more. You see, we must not let fear take hold of our hearts because fear is the enemy of faith. It quenches it. You see, fear not only robs us of our faith, it also robs us of our energy. It robs us of our clarity before God. It puts a, a fog over us and, and just bogs us down. That is why I absolutely refuse to let fear grab hold of my heart. Let me share with you a story. Almost two decades ago, I, I got very ill. And I had very high temperature and it just didn't uh, refused to come down. And so in the end, I had to go to hospital and uh, they were pumping antibiotics into me and, and the nurse, uh, sorry, the doctor that, that 
you know, put me in, he said that my lungs were, were filled with fluid. It's the worst case he's ever seen in his life. And, and so, and so they, 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 they put in antibiotics into me uh, on tubes, but it wasn't working. My temperature was not going down. And so they were, they were trying to figure out what was the disease, that uh, ailment that I caught. And finally, they, they, they found out I caught Legionnaire's disease. And, and one, of, one of my guys, he's, he was a medical student then, he came up to me and he told me, you know, when, when people catch uh, Legionnaire disease, about one in 10 will die. And I was like, whoa, man, that's uh, not very encouraging. And you know, this is worse statistics than COVID by far. And, but I refused to let fear enter into my heart. I continued to trust God. And I remember, God, you gave a prophecy that I will see a huge hung of the harvest. And I, I have not yet at that point seen a huge hung of the harvest. So God, surely my time cannot be up. I remember my family, my young family, I said, no way, oh God. God, I'm trusting you. I won't let fear grab hold of my heart. And obviously, as you know, I'm still here today. Praise God. Hallelujah. So let faith arise. Don't allow it to grab hold of your heart. Instead, you squash the fear in Jesus' name. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. So let me conclude by saying this. We have a huge decade in front of us. In God, we can make tremendous difference by transforming lives everywhere. And, and in HIM Global, we're doing everything we can to support you, to equip you so that you may run the race that God has set out for you. But you will face many challenges along the way. And, but those challenges need not stop you because our God is bigger than those situations you're confronted with. So can I encourage you? Ask God. Ask God for wisdom. Ask God uh, to give you the wisdom to deal with the challenges. Ask God to give you uh, the faith to trust Him for greater things. Ask God to help you build and strengthen your unity amongst your church. And lastly, ask God for His courage that you may be brave and face all those challenges and not allow fear to slow you down. We trust you've been blessed by the Word today. Do visit www.wilsonlyling.com for more messages and teachings. For the latest news and updates, follow Facebook and Instagram, wilson.liling.